Welcome to Resilient Forward, a podcast created by Baguette Group to educate the public and promote solutions to Florida's most challenging environmental issues. I'm your host, Irela Baguette. I've been a longtime advocate of the environment and the economy. I invite you to join me every week as we showcase resilient solutions, feature innovative strategies, products, and services from prominent members of the business community, including industry leaders, advocates, and elected officials all engaged in developing and implementing resilient solutions in their community. So with us today, we have Matthew Anderson. He's the Senior Sustainability Analyst for the City of Coral Gables, but really he should be called or we should promote him as Sustainability Director because under his time with the city, He's done amazing things and led incredible initiatives. And um, we're going to go and, and find out um, everything that the city of Coral Gables is doing on sustainability, resiliency, and um, a few more things. So, Matt, welcome to our show. And um, give us a little background on how you got into sustainability as a career path. So, that's uh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Irela. And um, Part of the reason why I got into sustainability, I've always had a passion for the environment. I'm a South Florida native. I grew up down here, uh, went to school down here, um, studied at FIU, studied uh, environmental science at FIU, and I grew up in the outdoors. I grew up out in the Everglades on Biscayne Bay and really at a really young age, uh, got a strong passion for being outdoors and enjoying the environment and that turned into wanting to protect the environment. So that's how I really got into sustainability and really preserving um, this beautiful uh, ecosystem we have down here in South Florida for not only my generation, but also future generations for them to be able to enjoy it as well. That's right. And you have a little girl. I do. I have a six-year-old and I have a, a, another uh, baby girl on the way. So uh, I had to do even more protection for, for South Florida so they can enjoy what I was able to enjoy growing up. Absolutely. And that's, that's what it's all about. Sustainability. That's what sustainability actually means, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, keeping things, you know, the same for the future, or, or if not, making it better. Making it better. We are Absolutely. true stewards of our environment, and I think, you know, it's one of our, our our greatest gifts that we get to do is is to be able to help preserve that and pass it on to future generations. And speaking of making things better, uh, the city engaged in a sustainability action plan a few years ago, and you've been leading that effort. And um, I I understand that that it, interestingly enough, the leadership of our city, our commission, and our mayor. Um, decided let's let's blend it with our strategic um, plan and so the both you know we married sustainability and the city's actual strategic plan together and we we I'm a city resident full disclosure I'm a city resident and I I chair the sustainability um, advisory board here at the city so this is very homegrown and and a very special place for me but um, but it's 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 very progressive to do something like that from a business perspective yeah and um, talk to us about some of the initiatives that, that we've been engaged in since we started this approach. So, so yeah, so uh, a few years ago, the city started its journey on, on creating a sustainability action plan. Um, it's a 10-year plan, and it's really focused on what we can do within our city infrastructure to be able to upgrade, make it more energy efficient, water efficient, be more fuel efficient, really reduce our operational impact on the environment. And the city... The city has made sustainability a top priority. Our, our elected le uh, leadership, our mayor, our commissioners, our city management, our directors, 
um, or we're all involved in, in creating this sustainability plan and are fully supportive of all the initiatives we have going on. Uh, you know, we have over 25 projects identified within the sustainability plan and our directors of all of our departments were, were key players in coming up with those ideas, which really uh, gives them a, you know, let's say skin in the game when it comes to where they want to where they want to see the city go in sustainability. And that's been it's been incredibly successful when you have that sort of support in my position. You have that sort of support from our directors, from our elected officials. It makes doing sustainability, you know, easy. And the fact that you have that, you know, support from your from your leadership and, you know, the city at the same time uh, started embarking on a journey and creating a strategic plan. Uh, it's a three-year strategic plan and within that we you know we spelled out different goals for gables and the s in gables was for sustainability um, both environmental and economic and 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 those really blend together and, and and tying into that with our sustainability plan you know obviously the reason why we want to do all this is to help protect our environment but you know it really showed as we started diving into it that sustainability not only makes environmental sense, it makes economic sense. Absolutely. It's what I preach and everybody that listens to this podcast hears it every time. The environment is the economy here. Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason why. So even looking at our sustainability plan, when you look at all, all the projects we've identified over the 10 years, it shows a $4 million return on investment, which is great because it's inv us investing in efficiency to see long-term paybacks, which is what, you know, which is really what sustainability is about. It shouldn't be a cost burden. It should be not only reducing your operational impact on the environment, but your, your economic operation as right. well. And it shows, you know, to the taxpayer as, as we, you know, we're burdened even more every day with, you know, taxes and, and our, our infrastructure and everything gets more expensive mm -hmm. to maintain and implement, you know, it, it does make sense, you know, to, to invest in some of these sustainable initiatives because we do see a return on yeah. investment and it helps the environment because we are lowering our carbon footprint, as Correct. we know, that is the biggest cause of climate change and, yeah. and issues that we're dealing with today, the challenges that we have. So give me an example of like, let's talk about the electric fleet, for example. That's a success yes. already. Yeah, so we, uh, our electric fleet, man, we, we really moved quickly on that. Uh, we have, we've been told by organizations within the state of Florida that we have the largest electric vehicle fleet, especially for our government operations in the state of Florida. And it's something we're really proud of. We actually just got in eight more uh, Chevy Bolts. Uh, so we have 43 electric vehicles in our fleet right now, which is really exciting. Uh, and that's all happened within the last three years. Um, so we really moved quickly on that. We have a goal of 75 electric vehicles by the end of uh, fiscal year 2021. And we've seen just immediate payback on that. I mean, obviously, we've seen some fuel savings. Uh, we're not a very large city, but we've seen uh, pretty, pretty good fuel savings. But on the maintenance side, uh, you know, they're pretty much zero maintenance vehicles. Uh, and we've just seen also buy-in and excitement from our employees that, that have been uh, given these, these new electric vehicles that they just, it's really got them thinking in a much wider context about sustainability because they see now they're comfortable in an electric vehicle. And I, I've even had some of them approach me and say, you know, I'm really looking at buying a, my personal vehicle, switching over to an electric vehicle because now they've been introduced to this new technology and they see that this is the wave of the future and it's really created a shift in mindset. And, you know, I give all due credit to, to our fleet director, Steve Riley, who's really been pushing this uh, along with our city commission. Um, it's really been a team effort in, in really uh, 
adding in these electric vehicles into our fleet. And then also what we've been able to do is add in, of course, you don't want to have an electric vehicle fleet without having this associated charging infrastructure. Absolutely. So what we've done is we've actually in, uh, have also have one of the larger for, and we're a medium sized city, 52,000 residents. Um, we have one of the larger electric vehicle charging infrastructures in the state of Florida. So within our city limits, we have 16 charging stations now uh, included within our city limits that give access not only to our city fleet, uh, but there's a portion of those that also the public can then use and access, especially within our parking garages. I just ran the numbers the other day. And since we've um, installed our, our charging stations in our parking garages, which currently are free to use, which obviously is another, another great benefit, we've had almost 10,000 charging sessions just in our parking garages alone. That's fantastic. And and I, I've seen also that we partner with um, with third parties as well to provide transportation options that are electric, like the Correct. freebie, yes. for example. Not to give you know a free advertising here, but but frankly, it's a great benefit to our residents, particularly yeah. in the downtown area. Yeah, we're we're really on uh, focused in on mobility and trying to get uh, trying to encourage people to 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 not use uh, their vehicle to go everywhere, especially you know for short trips in and around Coral Gables. So we've we've partnered with with organizations like Freebie that that can move people around within our downtown corridor um, during especially during high peak hours, especially during lunchtime and that sort of thing. And then also we've we became the first city in the state of Florida to you to implement electric scooters. We're currently in a pilot program uh, with a company that we're we're there we're piloting the electric scooters throughout the city and we've seen great success with that where yes. people are on these scooters now you have business professionals that are in suits that are riding these scooters and getting around for either lunch or getting to a meeting and it's really you know we're really focused on connecting that last mile of transportation that's a lot of the hesitation you get from people is okay how do I get to the state uh, to the transit station or how could I get to certain locations? And if you can really connect that first and last mile of transportation, I think that's where you really start getting buy in from the community, uh, from our businesses to be able to transition away from, you know, maybe not using their vehicle five times a week. Maybe now they'll use it only three times a week and really reducing that traffic that we have. I mean, we have 750,000 cars that pass through Coral Gables on any given day. Right. And, you know, we're kind of a cut through city sitting in the middle of Miami-Dade County. And we really want to try to encourage people to, to use public transit um, and, and focus on that more to, to try to reduce the amount of cars we're seeing on the road. That's great. And, and again, it lowers our carbon emissions. Um, and again, it's, it's, it's cost effective. It's, yeah. uh, we have numbers that show and we have a great story to tell for other cities that that maybe our size or maybe smaller that are thinking, well, how do we reduce our you know fuel consumption and our Definitely. energy and our, car our carbon footprint? And on that point too is one of the other big successes we've seen as well is our trolley. We have a free trolley that runs throughout our downtown area. We have 1.4 million riders a year on our trolley system. So that kind of shows you know if you even if you build and you put the infrastructure in place. That people are going to want to take that type of service, which is why I think they're, you know, we need to continue investing in these in these alternative forms of transportation because, you know, as we see more and more people, you know, moving into Miami-Dade County, we need to find alternative ways of of moving people around within Miami-Dade County. Right, and and the Gables downtown area in particular, where I live, is growing. Um, I've been I've lived there for about twenty years, so you know now I'm seeing I'm seeing growth all around me, high high density growth. Which is fine because that's you. Know, we want to combine work, you know, work, live, and play right, in an area. 
And, um, but, you know, we're also very progressive on our green building standards, yes. which is, you know, something that's worth also talking about. Yeah. So, uh, uh, two years ago we embarked, uh, we had a discussion with, with our commission and we really, we passed a lead requirement, um, which is, you know, basically a green building ordinance within the city of Coral Gables that any building that was built 20,000 square feet or larger needed to be built to lead silver standards or equivalent. And included in that, because we want to lead by example, we are, any new public building that's going up needs to be built to that same standard. And that's where we really want to provide that leadership and that example to the, to the uh, developers where it's smart to invest in green construction up front because there is a quick payback. And you're seeing this market develop where people want to live, in, live work, and play in green buildings, in healthy buildings. And that's part of why we, we, we thought it was a great example. And really what we're doing now is we have a new public safety building that's getting ready to start construction now. And we're excited about that because that's really going to be our crown jewel when it comes to, to our lead and environmental standards. And, and we're excited about that about that coming online in the next couple of years. And what lead standard are we are we shooting for? We're shooting for lead silver. We want to be that's lead good. silver, um, and, and that's and, and we and we feel like we we're definitely we're going to get there. And as you see more and more buildings coming up in Coral Gables, especially larger developments, you know they're going to be required to be built to lead to lead standards, which is which is you know that means they're going to be water efficient, energy efficient, you know, really reducing that the carbon footprint that that development has on on the community. And that's leadership right there. I mean, it shows how you know again progressive our city has been, and now courageous because we've one of the only cities or one of the few cities that. Uh, went ahead and banned uh, polystyrene, styrofoam, and also single-use plastic bags, Correct. which yes. we're currently in litigation. So I don't know if we can talk about it, but can give us a little, a little snapshot on, on what, how that just came about, and and how receptive the public and the businesses were, because obviously that's an economic impact. Correct. So yeah, a few years ago we um, we started the conversation. We we partnered with our Coral Gables Chamber of Commerce and our business improvement district and really started the conversation on what we can do uh, in Coral Gables to help transition our businesses to be more sustainable. And we, we started off with uh, you know encouraging and, and, and we passed a, an ordinance on expanded polystyrene on styrofoam. And in the conversations we had with our businesses, it was actually amazing because when we approached our businesses, some of the first conversations we had was, were, you know, you know, we wanna encourage you guys to switch over from using styrofoam to more sustainable alternatives. Uh, alternatives that are compostable or, or you know more than just single use and our business a lot of our businesses said you know what that's great we've kind of transitioned already it was just a you know whether it was a a belief of theirs a core business belief um, that they wanted to transition away from that um, so that was exciting to hear because even before we wanted to start the conversation our businesses were already having that conversation and I think there's the consumers minds are changing as far as you know, I want to do. I want to go do business, or I want to go buy products that are sustainable. That are, you know, that that I know that are more local. Yes. That their carbon footprint isn't horrible. Yes. You know, and so I think, yeah, I think I think that's also a motivation for a lot of businesses to. Yeah. Transition. So we so we went forward with that, and and we've seen great success with that. Our businesses have been doing an, an amazing job um, at, at transitioning, and 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 you know we we started uh, enforcement, and that's gone really well. And the fact that we haven't seen many many violations within within the city of Coral Gables, you know, our businesses were 
they they bought into it and and they um they've been transitioning and and, and you know the conversations i've had and related even with the plastic bags you know uh shortly after we did the ordinance and we provided what the key part of our ordinances too is we wanted to provide our businesses enough time to transition that's part of the input that you know those businesses that weren't able that hadn't transitioned already we wanted to give them ample time we wouldn't want to make this a huge economic burden on them right the goal was not to put anybody out of business or anything like that it was to get everyone to transition over to using more sustainable alternatives and really help you know increasing that market uh for 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 those alternatives and what we wanted to do was is we gave our businesses a year from when we passed the ordinance to when we started full enforcement to be able to transition away because we know some of our businesses they order in bulk and you know they may order a sixth or one right. year supply so you gave them time to Correct. kind of run out of their supply and then start transitioning into a new supply yeah so we we we, we did that and that was a, a a huge um you know that was that was great for the businesses that I, that I spoke with they said look give us a year and 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 that's what we did and and same thing happened with plastic bags we became the first city in the state of Florida to ban single use plastic bags and you know the amount of support i mean i've gotten calls from residents that said i'm so proud to live in the city of coral gables uh, that are doing these sorts of things because as we know we're a coastal city we have 42 miles of coastline uh within the city of coral gables and and you know our a huge part of our economy too is is our waterways is our biscayne bay i know and and that's part of where we want to we want to reduce you know the the environmental pollution that's happening within that as a source of you know plastic bags styrofoam you know all sorts of items we want to reduce that from the source as opposed to dealing with trying to cleaning it cleaning it up which is obviously a lot more expensive so if you could reduce it from the source it, it just it's a better economic uh opportunity there of not letting it get out and and massive cleanups that we have to that you know organizations and, have to do and those massive cleanups that are local and and we've seen reports of that horrible floating plastic island out there in the middle of yeah. the oceans and so you know it just makes sense and i think that's why our residents and our businesses kind of embraced this yes. and didn't really fight back even the large um grocer chains mm -hmm. that you know are actually in the middle of that that lawsuit had to transition if they were within our city limits and they're you know i live like a block from one and so i'm not going to mention any names but uh but you know i go in there and they're giving out you know paper bags and people are just you you know they're complaining they're not complaining they're just taking them yeah and that's and that's part of uh and i again i give all due credit to our businesses for the support that they've been able to to provide in in being able to transition and and you know our large and especially our larger uh you know supermarkets and, and restaurants um that have been able to transition and we actually recognized some of those businesses at commission meetings because we feel it's a it's a huge step not only for our city to do but for for private business to do right. as well and um and like i said i mean i've the number of phone calls i've gotten from residents that have been just so excited about these type of initiatives we have going on uh i can speak all day about that because that's part of the reason why you know also we do what we do is you know i think as 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 government of, uh employees public servants. public servants you know we're here to 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 protect our residents and you know i think part of that too is we also want to uh be good stewards of the environment and i think when we see that type of feedback when i get calls from residents saying you know i'm so proud that the city has transitioned away from using you know expanded polystyrene or plastic bags and the thing i wanted to mention too is the city in all of these initiatives the city wanted to be the first person the first entity to take that step so we removed plastic bags from our facilities or anyone that pulls well, a special event permit right you have to you know we have walk to, the walk 
Correct. Walk the talk, talk the walk. Yes, whatever yeah. we whatever we ask of our businesses or our residents, we want to lead first um, because we want to lead by that example. And I think that's that's been also where we've been able to get a lot of buy-in is is we wanted to we wanted to be the first to take that step, and which is great. And and I you know going back to like. Uh, business recognition mm-hmm. um you and i have for a while been working with the chamber the coral gables Ch- uh, chamber of commerce on a gables green business program yes. and very proud of what we were we're developed and we're in the actually we're about to launch yes we are and um and, and it makes sense i think it's it's something to that you know we want to recognize our, our businesses that are already complying with with a lot of these initiatives and also educate them because they could be doing so much more and that's and and they're and then and then you know they can have their little sticker on their door and people will know this is a green business this is what this means yeah no to be a, a, gable, a green gables business it is and, and 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 the reality is is that's 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 the whole reason when we started this, that discussion and, and and reality is is and i think a great partner of ours has been the chamber of commerce because we want to include businesses in all these conversations. We don't want to create a program or pass an ordinance without getting input from our businesses. I mean, we want we always want to engage our community, whether it be our businesses, our residents, and all the actions we're taking as a city. And I think the reason why we wanted to come up with this is our businesses are doing great work. You know, we hear from them. And we want to we wanted to create a program that we can then recognize them and 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 recognize them for all the great stuff they're doing, but also use it as an opportunity, as you said, to educate them on, hey, you're doing great. We want to recognize you for that. But look at look at what other look at your entire supply chain and look where you may be able to transition, or maybe you can become more energy efficient within your facility and really allow them and give them opportunity or access to resources that they may be able to reduce their operation operational impact um, not only on the environment but same as what we're doing in the city our our, our maybe your budget um, you know you can allocate more toward other things when you're reducing your energy bill or your water bill from from taking uh, simple actions and I think that's part of what uh, the part of the reason why in our green business program it has like 80 actions that businesses can take. That, that we've been doing research on. And I think it's exciting that we want to launch that. And what's important is that we really, as we were developing it, we really wanted to make it easy for that business because, you know, we're all busy. Yes. We're all running our businesses and we don't have really the time to, you know, go through a you know long process. Yeah. So it's, it's easy. It's going to be um, online. Yes. Folks can just, you know, manually check things off and then you know send an email over to the city once you know they fill out the form and it's an online form and we'll go out we'll check you out we'll meet you we'll talk to you about what you can do further yeah and if you're you know if you're at the top tier then you get your big star and you get your recognition and in your sticker on your door and so we're very excited about that and and it's it's the least the city can do to really you know give back to the business community of course yeah, and, and what I and the other thing when, when I've been talking to the businesses, not only when we were doing our transition from away from expanded polystyrene and single use plastic bags, but in developing this program is have the businesses use this as a marketing opportunity for them, you know, and 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 tout themselves as green businesses because that's really what they're doing. And and we want to create that platform for them to be able to, to do that. And I think it's something that, you know, there's there's a large consumer base out there that wants to shop at green businesses. And and if we can create that that help further and create that market within Coral Gables, we want to be able to do that and assist our businesses. Right. And 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 also, I think that um, 
you know, it's, it's, it's again, fairly easy to do. For those that are listening and are interested in our Gables businesses, where would they go? Uh, you can go to corgables.com slash sustainability. And within that, there's you can see all the initiatives we're talking about today that the city is doing. We keep that uh, website updated frequently. If you wanted to go straight to the green business program, it's just corgables.com slash green business. Wonderful. And so, uh, you know, we're in the middle of hurricane season. And last year, the city of Coral Gables, we went through uh, Hurricane Irma, and we were one of those cities that lost power and mm -hmm. really were impacted for quite some time. Um, and, and it's a combination of things. We have lots of trees. We're a city beautiful. We have a large foliage of trees, and that you know impacts um, our power lines and whatnot. So it took a while for us to get our power back. However, we learned from our experiences and our challenges, and that led us to um, file for a very interesting project through the Bloomberg Mayor's Challenge. Talk to us about this innovate, innovative application. So yeah, so we uh, obviously yeah we went through Hurricane Irma and 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 you know cleanup was was it was a challenge. You know we have thirty eight thousand trees in Coral Gables. We're Tree City USA, thirty three years and counting now. Something we're really really proud of. But out of out of kind of a disaster in Hurricane Irma came came a really great idea. And uh, former mayor of, of New York City, Michael Bloomberg, has this Bloomberg Philanthropy Challenge that comes out every, every three years uh, within the United States where it's a call to action for local governments to come up with innovative ideas, uh, innovative solutions to, to you know, problems or issues they may be facing in their community. And we put together a really great team. Uh, we partnered with the University of Miami, obviously great partners of ours located right there within our community. And we came up with this idea of creating this resilient energy system. And we call it RES. And basically what it is, is it's a solar powered gener backup generator for our public safety building. And it's creating like this microgrid where if the electrical grid goes down, um, typically government uh, facilities and facilities in general rely on fossil fuel powered generators. Right. And especially in Hurricane Irma, it was such a unique storm where you know it, it impacted every city in the state of Florida one way or another and access to generators access to fuel supply became very limited very quickly so out of that experience we we wanted to to come up and matching obviously with the sustainability theme we have going on within city we wanted to come up with a more sustainable more resilient uh, backup uh, power generator so obviously living in, in Florida and, and being here in Florida, we're the sunshine state. We looked directly at renewable energy and we looked at solar. So we've, we've been working with the University of Miami over the last year or so in creating this simulation model, which was kind of phase one on creating this microgrid. And we recently just applied for phase two of, of the Bloomberg Philanthropy. We're, we're, we're on pins and needles waiting to hear what the results are. Um, but basically, uh, you know, we, we received $100,000 as part of phase one to, to build the simulation model and present our, our results to, to the Bloomberg team, uh, the Bloomberg committee. And if we're selected as one of the five top cities, now for original phase one, there was over a thousand applicants. We wow. were chosen as one of 35. So in that, you're already an exclusive company. Right. Um, but now they're gonna be choosing a top five where the first place winner gets $5 million over the next three years to fully build out their, their idea. And second through fifth place gets $1 million over the next three years. So we're, we're excited, we're, we're confident in our idea. Uh, it's received a lot of attention, not only locally, nationally, 
but internationally we've had countries you know uh provinces and everything and even in africa that have reached out to us and said you know the work you guys are doing this is amazing share your best practices with us so right that and that's and that's why that's why we started this podcast because we wanted to talk about innovation solutions and resilience and you know it's because i'm not you know i'm not a fan of the doom and gloom approach i think that you know challenges create opportunities and create economic opportunities because right. this is this is a solution that could be replicated and even you know um, patent it and, yeah. and 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 produce mass and mass quantities yeah. and and will will create a, a great service for many communities and you know i'm just proud that you know to be on the sustainability advisory board and and um, and uh, be part of all these uh, all these amazing initiatives that we're engaged in. And I want to give a shout out to a former board member who helped with this application, Rhonda Anderson, yes. um, who's who's a great steward and a great resident, um, gives back so much of her time and energy to our city. So I just want to give a shout out to her um, on that initiative. And um, I'm talking about, you know, of course, sea level rise, which is one of the topics that I, um, I focus a lot on because it is something that we're preparing for mm -hmm. the future. Mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of data and information. And fortunately, we in the city of Coral Gables, along with all the counties and, and many other cities, are part of the Climate Compact. And as a result, you have been a, a leader in the, in the compact for the city of Coral Gables. Um, um, and, and, and as a result, I think we've engaged in, in a lot of, of issues because we are a vulnerable city. We have, yes. an, we have a very you know, a uh, vulnerable coastline. Yes. And therefore, we must start preparing now yes. for the future. And I think that makes business sense. It does. And so talk to talk to me about the legal review that we did, because I think that was one of our first initiatives to deal with sea level rise and, and, and the future impacts of that. So our, uh, our former mayor, Jim Kaysen, um, you know, we really started uh, pushing and talking about sea level rise, you know, three, four years ago. And, you know, our, our, you know, our former mayor had said, you know, I never received a call from one of our residents concerned about sea level rise. So let's start that conversation. So, uh, you know, South Florida being kind of ground zero for dealing with sea level rise. And, and I'm with you, Irela. I'm on the very positive outlook on this. I think there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of great work going on here in South Florida to be able to deal with this, you know, very complicated issue. And we're really, you know, charting new waters down here on, on coming up with with solutions for this. And you know, within Coral Gables, we've done a lot of a lot of work. Um, you mentioned our legal paper. What we did was, is you know, when you're dealing with with sea level rise and property rights and all these sorts of things, it it can become a very complicated legal matter as well. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to create a document that other governments and you know any entity can use. Um, to be able to just reference and say this is you know what we did was is we hired outside counsel we worked with our legal department and outside counsel and we came up with a sea level rise legal paper on adaptation and and mitigation to, to dealing with sea level rise and looking at case law throughout the country on what's been done uh, in different locations and really put together this really comprehensive document that we can then take use for our own guidance but also share with other cities we've shared this paper with countless other cities around the country that are dealing with with similar type issues and you know the feedback we've been getting on on that is it's been it's been amazing because not not all cities have 
the resources to be able to allocate to do something like that. So if we can create a document that other cities can then use as a best practices or even use as a reference, um, that in itself, uh, on top of us using it as a guiding document, I think is, has been incredibly successful. And that just shows us that, again, the misperception is we're ground zero and that this is something that only you know South Florida is dealing with where we're an, our country is mainly coastlines no. and you know other regions and other areas have had their share and have their own challenges with sea level rise and so it's it's really a national issue yeah. um, and we've been leaders and we should be very proud of that we yeah. you know we've been leading that effort so um, it bothers me when when you know the media comes down here and just you know throws throws that big bucket of water on us um, because we are doing things and we are and this is why we're, we're, we're talking about solutions yeah. and, and the things that we're doing. Um, the city is also engaged in a, a risk assessment because it's important to, to know, okay, what are our vulnerable areas? What yeah. are our low-lying areas? And as far as our infrastructure, our critical infrastructure that we, that we should be looking at and protecting now, um, it's important because, you know, that if we're not prepared, that impacts our budget. So it's like pay now or pay later. Yeah. So what we've done, yeah, we, we, we started looking and doing a risk assessment of all of our critical city infrastructure. So we looked at, you know, where our fire stations are, where our police stations are, where our pump stations are. A lot of this, this really critical infrastructure that's really the survival of our city and looking at its vulnerability for future sea level rise projections. And, and we really targeted uh, looking at the compacts uh, projections that they have, that they, that, they, that they come out with, and also looking at king tides, looking at all sorts of variations that could come into this and looking at these thresholds of, okay, where is our infrastructure vulnerable at what level? And that's really giving us a, a future glimpse on, onto what we're looking at to be able to come up with adaptation policies now um, for, for the future. And I think that's incredibly, um, you know, forward thinking on behalf of us as a city, our elected officials, that, that we're thinking about an issue that may not, you know, that we're seeing, you know, minor impacts now, but we may see larger impacts later on, is you want to be very forward thinking on this because they say for every dollar you put in for for uh, mitigation now, you can save $5 in the long run. Well, of course, because, you know, rebuilding and, yeah. and impacts from flooding and flood insurance and all, all, all that's tied together to, to yeah. economic um, impacts. And, 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 you know, yeah, sea level rise is something we're preparing for because it's incremental. Mm -hmm. However, we're experiencing king tides now, yes, you are. know, at least twice a year. Mm -hmm. And they're estimated to go up and up and, and, and more periods of, of, of flood incidents of, of, of those. And again, we also have experienced those crazy rainfalls yeah. that, you know, we get three inches of rain in like two minutes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, South Florida, if it's not raining, <laughs> if it's not sunshine, it's usually raining, so... So exactly, and so you know. But speaking of of, of adaptation and, and and forward thinking and 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 preparing for the future, the city's also been very um, smart about creating a budget yes. for adaptation projects. Correct. If 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 and when we need them, we'll have money to to pay um, for some of this infrastructure. Correct. And and we've seen you know our our again all due credit to our commission and our city leadership. You know our finance department. We really. We, we decided, you know, obviously sustainability, resilience is a very high priority here in Coral Gables. And, and, you know, nothing more shows that than allocating budget dollars now for future adaptation strategies. So what the city started doing is two years ago, we started setting aside, you know, last year it was about $1.4 million. This year it's about $1.8 million. And we're putting all this money into a fund 
that is not going to be touched unless it's for sea level rise adaptation and mitigation efforts. And you know, that's it's very, very forward thinking on behalf of our of our uh, our leadership. And you know, we're looking. We look. We don't have to even look any further than you know what Miami Beach is is looking at now, and 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 investing four hundred million dollars into having to upgrade their infrastructure. And you know, City of Miami, I think, took out a two hundred million dollar bond. Um, you know, adapting and mitigating to these sorts of issues is expensive, and we want to be able to 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 have. And our goal is by you know twenty forty to have a hundred million dollars set aside in this fund that we can then use to help match maybe federal funds or you know be able to start you know continue this process. And the city also too, in addition to that fund, they also we also allocate you know, half a million dollars a year for sewer upgrades and, and look, really looking at our infrastructure now and doing the necessary upgrades. So I don't want it to think that, oh no, we're waiting for it to happen. No, we're doing upgrades now, but we also want to have a fund set aside to where if we need to do larger upgrades, we have that fund to be able to tap into, to be able to do those upgrades, um, you know, right. to, to upgrade our- And community. have money to match should we need state or federal funding for, for some things. Yes. Um, are there any projects that are being worked on now or just, you know, are we planning on seeing anything? Because, you know, that's the best way, I think, to show folks that we are doing yeah. and, and that, that we're not just talking about it no, and we're course. preparing and we're studying. You know, people get kind of frustrated with study after study after yeah. study, but once you put shovel to the ground, then... You know that's that's show and tell. That's something to talk about. Yeah. So it's a project, and and you know, and I think on the planning side of it, you know, that it's obviously it's a crucial part of it. We want to have a plan. We want to have a have a goal in place of where we want to get to, and know, you know, and I like to say, you know, we do uh, we do do a lot of planning. We we have a lot of studies looking at these sorts of things, but it's you know really in the city's interest of you know making that best, educated, well informed financially responsible decision when it comes to, to taking and, 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 and investing in these type of infrastructure upgrades. And one of the ones we're looking at right now is actually our, our one of our pump stations is located in our Cocoa Plum neighborhood. We're using actually the Envision rating system, which is basically like LEED uh, with green buildings, but for infrastructure projects, like water infrastructure projects. And we're one of the first communities in the Southeast United States to go through a water infrastructure uh, project like that, where we're upgrading the pump station, but in in doing that, we're also taking into account sea level rise, climate, you know, sustainability. We're making it energy efficient. We're raising the pump station if need be, uh, the electrical components of the pump station to where if we do see impacts from either a king tide or even a hurricane within our vulnerability assessment, we looked at hurricanes category one, three, and five, and those sorts of impacts we can see from storm surge. Um, and, and we want to be able to make our infrastructure as resilient as possible when it comes to dealing with those type of issues. So yeah, we already have projects in the ground, you know, happening right now, um, that, that can be good examples for other communities to look at. And also too, like within the South Florida climate compact, you know, it's a great clearinghouse of information that we have access to where governments are talking to each other and sharing best practices. And, and and because, like I said, there's a lot of great work that's going on down here in South Florida, and I think it's something we we we're very proud of. But we're continuing to push the envelope on on what we can come up with. And I think innovation, you know, I'm a big believer in human innovation and us being able to kind of solve this problem. And and I'm very positive on that outlook. And I think a lot of governments, you know, us as as, as government officials are are want to want to lead that way and and provide reassurance to our residents that yeah. We're here now and we're going to be here for many, many years to come. 
um, because I think that's, you know, in, in times it, the conversation becomes really negative. And I think, you know, there's way too much positive stuff going on down here in our region to be able to, to, to have a very positive conversation on that. Absolutely. And that is why I'm proud to be a city resident, city of Coral Gables resident. Um, and I love working with you because you're so passionate as I am on many of these issues. And it's, it's just, you know, it's just beautiful to see the city of Coral Gables being resilient and being forward, which is the name of our podcast. But, um, and I think that our founder, George Merrick, would be very proud of the way that, you know, we are keeping our city sustainable and progressive towards and looking towards the future. Uh, we're the, one of the oldest cities in Miami-Dade County, so we should be very proud of that. Yeah, we're, we, we just celebrated our 90-year anniversary. We're obviously, in a few years, we'll be celebrating our 100-year anniversary, and I think George Merrick would be proud because we're, we're looking at the next 100 years and ensuring that Coral Gables is here. It's as vibrant as it was when it was founded, and I think Coral Gables is a very unique community in the fact of the service we provide to our residents and also um, you know, the, the, the focus we have on our tree canopy. It's one of the biggest things Coral Gables is known about. And I think all these things blend together and, and build into why we wanna be sustainable, why we wanna lead on resiliency is because we wanna keep Coral Gables around for many, many, many years to come. And that's why we're called the City Beautiful. Thank you so much, Matt, for joining us today. Matt Anderson with the City of Coral Gables. Thank you so much for joining us. Glad to be here. for joining us on this episode of Resilient Forward. You can listen to other podcasts at resilientforward.com and follow us on Twitter at ResilientFWD. If you're interested in sponsoring our show or know someone who we should feature, please contact us. Remember, our environment is our economy.